welcome to Dennis Podman. I'm Kevin Farragan, your uh, everyday co-host, I mean, not co-host, your everyday host. <laughs> and I'm joined today by new, new, new uh, co-host <laughs> of the podcast. Uh, that's right. That's at Brian J. Drafts Music. Uh, Brian Schroeder joining the show uh, on a uh, semi-full-time basis, uh, as full-time as this part-time podcast gets, I guess. Um, and when he's available, <laughs> I think is also important, but, um, th- that, that is the plan going forward is to have Brian as the, the co-host of the show and, uh, very happy about that. Going to make my life a lot easier. Uh, welcome again, Brian. Yo, I wanted to bust out like a Justin Roberts and new, but I don't feel like yelling. So, um, <laughs> that's okay. It's, it's, it's getting uh, late ish on a Friday. So yeah. you, know, you don't need to be shouting. So people in the Midwest need their beauty sleep to go do nothing. Um, <laughs> to go yell at people in grocery stores. Cause they don't have kind, certain kinds of eggs. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, uh, we were talking just before we recorded about, uh, I think the first thing we were going to do is, is talk about who we think should start in Patrick's place. If he if he's gonna miss more than like two games or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Which you can't. I, I mean, it, it's an ankle sprain. Those don't go away that easily. I've had a bunch of them. Believe me. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like the just to before we get into the who should start discussion, just based on media day stuff, it, it did seem like they were fairly optimistic about where he's at with his with his ankle. I think they said he was already getting ready to start running. Um, this week yeah. during practice. So, I mean, that, that seems promising. It's already two weeks out from when he heard it. And I think they said it was four to six weeks. So he might not miss any games uh, if he's like ahead of schedule, but I think they should probably take their time with him. Um, you know, you don't want ankles are finicky. You don't want to yes. um, press it. You don't want him to get into a Steph Curry situation where he's constantly rolling that ankle and re-aggravating it. So get him fully healthy. And uh, I know Ricky and I talked about, um, who should start uh, in Pat's place last episode. So I'm going to cede the floor here to, to Brian to, to get his take off on the situation. <clears throat> My take is that they should uh, start the most, the guy who's most capable of being a fifth starter of just standing around and not having the ball and letting these guys all work on their own. And that of course is Stanley Johnson. Uh, he's the only other power forward on the roster. I think Alizé is a small center. I also think Alizé is a, um, somewhat high usage guy for like the kind of player he is like he has to you need you, you need you can't just rely on him to get offensive rebounds but you need to like run sets for him and get him cutting the basket stanley you could just stand around like you don't have to run offense for him at all you're not getting anything out of it if you run offense for him I mean, he's a decent passer and he could shoot in the corner a little so just have him stay in the corner and then let him play deep let him be the defense basically like let him guard whatever guy derozan doesn't want to which will probably be the everyone and then let <laughs> Let him spinebuster people in the lane and protect Vooch's weak side. Like it, it fits. It, it's a good fit. It's basically, I mean, it's less dynamic. He's not going to shoot as much as this, but it's what the Suns did with Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was their fifth starter, and like we all, we all used to hate Keith Bogans, but Keith Bogans was very good at being a fifth starter. You need that guy, and if Pat is going to miss any time, or even if Pat. Mm, I still probably start him if he's fully healthy. You want to get him reps with those guys, but like. I wouldn't hate it if they started standing over him in some matchups because I think you want to get Pat going against bench units. Like anything they can get, like I know his summer league wasn't like, uh, like the stats were okay because it was summer league. And if you missed, if you have one bad quarter in summer league, suddenly you're shooting 38% for the whole thing. But like, I love to see him just like be the offense and like 
be aggressive with his shot. And like, he's not going to be doing that if he's playing with DeMar and Zach a lot. So. Yeah. I think that the, the bulls um, have a lot of choices from a lineup perspective to make. Um, and I think that uh, it's telling that you picked Stanley as your, your selection for who to play in the power forward spot, because Billy Donovan actually shouted him out, I think multiple times during media day as a guy that, that they are looking to, to fill some minutes that, you know, he mentioned his draft pedigree, which is kind of whatever, but um, yeah, who cares? In, That's in a... terms, in, but he, you know, I think he was classic looking, bulls maneuver. Yeah. But I mean, I, I do think that he, he was saying that, you know, there's talent there and that was kind of his shorthand for that. And yeah. um, that he's been a guy that's played on a lot of, um, you know, in a, in a lot of different places, which, you know, is <laughs> when you're a high traffic, not necessarily what you want, but he, but he, that does he, mean, that does mean he's adaptable to, to, you know, he's not stuck in any one. Yeah. He adapted pretty well to the rap, to the Raptors system. And I thought he had a good year for what he is. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, to your point, like having with the number of guys that they have that can get a bucket in in what is presumably the starting unit, um, or at least their sort of best five players uh, that mm-hmm. they could roll out that roughly approximate the, the five positions on the court, you know, uh, which would, I think, be Lonzo, Zach, um, DeRozan, Pat, Vooch. Like, that's probably their best five. There's enough scoring there that, like... I, I would say... Until until we know for sure if Pat is really a defender, I mean, again, I think the world of Pat, but I, I do think right now the best five is with Caruso. So if that's what they start, that would make sense. But yeah, I also feel like Caruso or even Troy Brown, but mm-hmm. but I think those two specifically need to be on the bench. Like there's, there's got to be somebody on the bench who can who has some kind of dynamism. And I'm not even saying that like yeah. Caruso and Troy Brown are like, you know, Jamal Crawford or anything. But like those guys are the only two guys on the bench right now until Kobe's plays. Kobe will help with that. Who can like yeah. create it all? Yeah, I think it. I think it's just going to be like, what do they want um, their identities to be in their in their lineups, mm-hmm. right? Like, I th- I think if they want balance in that starting unit, I think that it really does make sense to to go with Stanley uh, because he is he's not not very good at offense. I mean, you're not going to get a whole lot out of Stanley, but they don't need him to be very good at offense. Like, they just need him to be like. Uh, even if even if you can double team off the of Stanley with with Zach and Vooch and um, and DeRozan, like okay, you you can double off of uh, Stanley's guy, but good luck with still having to single defend um, the other two guys that are that you haven't doubled. Um, and that's the thing. That's the other thing too. If if if, if it's that's the reason I didn't want Troy starting because Troy had started the three and Demar at the four even though DeMar is kind of a four. The difference is if you're doubling off of Stanley Johnson, you're doubling with a four right. or like, a, or like a, ba- a, a, a star who's bad at defense, you know, like a Beal type. Yeah. And like, if you want, if that guy's going to double over on DeMar DeRozan or they're going to switch over DeMar DeRozan, they're toast. Yeah. DeMar, that's why he was so good at the four with the, with the Spurs. Cause he is way more athletic than most NBA fours. Like just destroys them off the dribble. And that'd be great. That's really yeah. the thing with this. With this, that's one of the reasons I, I really like Stanley. There is that like he being the fifth starter means that like unless you have and again Pat will start. Pat will be the starter and he'll kind of do this too a little bit, but just as a better shooter and better, just you know, significantly better basketball player overall. Um, you want the fifth starter to be a even if they're low efficiency, a low usage guy is great because yeah. it makes it makes the defense. 
it just makes it smooths things out, I guess. It makes it it gives you more opportunities to get your guy your high usage guys cross matched and and switched and switched over on people. And like I really wonder because we don't we collectively as like bull all the bulls people, we really haven't talked about Zach and Damar together that much. It's been a lot of like staggering them because that's what's gonna most of their minutes are gonna be staggered, like at least the start of the year. I would think so, but I think in close in closing lineups they're definitely in closing lineups are yeah, and I just I'm really interested to see like how you force because Vucho will always be defended by the big. That's just that's always be Vucho will always be defending bigs. That's sort of you could throw that out to the side unless they're and if they're playing against like a team that deliberately like P, plays a PJ Tucker type at the five, then you put an Alize or you put in Stanley or Derek Jones or somebody, and that takes care of itself. Or Simonovic if he can because he's at least a little more mobile than those other two. Yeah. Um. I mean, if it's a PJ just, Tucker type, you can just you know still have Vucin and have him post, yeah, post yeah. up and score like a million points over him and not worry about him in the corner because PJ Tucker, not so secretly washed. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean more like if a, a team goes like a Kyle Anderson type maybe. Sure. Because Kyle Anderson played a little bit at the five, and that's de- that's dangerous. That de- you can't have a you can't have a drop big out there because Kyle Anderson will obliterate them. Because yeah. Kyle Anderson is secretly like a top fifty. 50 to 60 player easily i think yeah he doesn't look like it uh because he moves so slow and he can his shoot game now is really unorthodox but yeah he's he's a really good player um he, yeah he was definitely not on the the si or espn list that ricky and i reacted to last show um I'm, I, at least i don't think so he maybe he made it squeaked in there somewhere in the the lower part of the top 100 but um, i think you could argue he, he was the grizzlies you could make an argument he was the Grizzlies' best player for mo- the bulk of the season because Ja kind of stunk for the first couple months. Valanciunas is very good, but Valanciunas will do that thing where he just doesn't show up some games. Yeah. It's like four points and six rebounds. And Kyle, I think by most metrics, was was right at the top of there. He's just good. He's very, very good. Anyways, anyways, enough about future <laughs> bull Kyle Anderson. Um, um yeah, so I, I think I, I just want to see like how how they go about how they go about attacking getting DeRozan and Levine on a different defenders because that wasn't yeah. a problem last year and it's it's not a problem it's something you want as a if you're going to be a playoff team you need that you need you need two guys for sure um, yeah. but last year that wasn't the problem because like last year in any kind of any sort of important moment or crunch time the, the defense was on Zach because yeah. because he was Zach he was yeah, anyone he else anyone else could do whatever they wanted yeah. Even Vooch to make like, guard. So I'm really interested to see like how, and I, I think I, I think I trust Billy well enough. Like tactically, he's a fine coach. There's nothing wrong with his with him. No, I mean I, I think I, I think Billy was like I, I think this is maybe like the third or fourth time out of five episodes now that I've mentioned this, but like I, I bitched and complained <laughs> about Billy's lineups. Um, for a decent chunk of last season. And then I like actually tried to figure out how I would arrange the lineups myself. If I was trying to not, not complain about all the things that I complained about. Uh, And then I just was like, Oh no, this is just a crappy roster construction. And this isn't really on Billy. Uh, And he's done some very creative tactical stuff in the past, both offensively and defensively. I mean, if you look at some of the, the rosters that he's had, the fact that he's never had like a below top 12, um, defense as an nba coach is pretty crazy because i mean despite the, having russell westbrook on had team. pretty good yeah um but aside from westbrook i mean those rosters were, they had some talent but like 
not as good of as what they ended up with in terms of defensive uh, efficiency. Mm-hmm. And then last year, the Bulls, like they didn't really have hardly any real like impact defenders and they still finish. I think they, they like won. after the Vooch. Yeah. After the Vooch trade, they were, Thad. they were eighth. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is like a good defender, but that is not, is nobody's like defensive player of the year candidate or anything. And, for him I think I think that was to... his calling card for a long time was so was being kind of a that's that strength is that he can he can legitimately defend up and down from the four which is yeah rare like I don't think Millsap can kind of do that but there's not really a whole lot of other I don't know if he's a rim protector but he's not not a rim protector if that makes sense he's a, like, good he's not a rim huge, protector. He, he's not he's not giving he's not getting gashed all the time like certain other Bulls power forward centers of the last five years. <laughs> yep. Uh, speaking of that, I mean, um, I think that uh, so so we're mostly here today to c- cover uh, media day, and um, mm-hmm. you know, we started with the speculation about the the lineup or whatever. But I think that it was notable that uh, Billy mentioned um, wanting to get a little smaller at the power forward position, which he said they were a little too big there. <laughs> during last season, which I thought was kind of a direct shot at Lowry <laughs> and his sort of lack of uh, fluidity defensively sometimes, especially because mm-hmm. he doesn't really bring it on the defensive glass uh, despite being seven feet tall and playing a position uh, where that should be an advantage um, against a lot of teams in the league where the, te- the league continues to downsize. Um so I thought that was interesting and, and notable and like might to your point about whether they should start Stanley um, in that uh, power forward spot. Uh, you know, Stanley would be a small four um, if he's there. Uh, he wouldn't but be lacking. That's, in that's strength. All yeah. He's yeah. only a four though. That's the thing about him. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing is that it, of the, let's say five, even though I think I ran Javante green at the four on two K a little bit just for fun. But I don't know. Javante's not going to play very much, so he's not really worth talking about. If, um, if Javante's playing, something has gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. Of the five guys that they're likely going to see any real minutes at the four, which is Pat, Alizé, Stanley, DeMar, and Derek Jones, Pat is the biggest. And, I mean, Stanley is the heaviest, but Pat is 6'8". He's by far the tallest. Yeah. Like, Alizé is 6'7", maybe. Stanley is 6'5". DeRozan is 6'5", 6'6", and then Derek Jones is probably 6'5". So, like, that's... That I mean, I can get people are worried about because in the playoffs you do you do kind of need that second guy, but like I think it's fine for now. I don't I don't see any real problem with it. If they'd uh, been able to get Larry Nance, that would have been that would have been like perfect, but they weren't. So yeah, it'll I'm be sure fine. Until, I hope they tried. Uh, it'll be fine until we're able to get the the once in future bowl uh, Thad Young back on the team, <laughs> 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 which his wife made a tweet about. Uh, that was that raised my eyebrows a little bit. Uh, that somebody had tweeted that. The other thing that helps this team too a lot. Uh, go ahead, finish it. Sorry. Oh no, I was just going to say somebody had tweeted at her that they wanted Thad back in Chicago next year, and she was like, "Next year," like, uh, or, or basically implying that you know she, they didn't weren't going to need to wait till next year. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, we'd love to have Thad back if he gets bought out by the Spurs for some reason. Uh, but he would be able to come right back, though. Would he? I don't think so. You're you're not able to go. If you get bought out, I don't think you're able to go right back to that team that traded you. 
Oh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe there's a play, maybe there's a games played thing, or maybe the, the Spurs trade him and he gets bought out, and that it doesn't matter. I just had this come up with yeah. the Lakers a few times when they were trying oh, okay. to get like Ariza back or whoever. Um, yeah, that's probably the case. I've I've become uh, well, I was never a huge like CBA nerd, but I've like let yeah what I did know about that stuff go even more so in the last five years. Cause I like basketball and, and not being a lawyer, <laughs> which is as evidenced by me not being a lawyer, despite getting a law degree. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, thinking about that, the, the way this roster is, is, is I was looking at the Raptors before mm-hmm. and I'm going to go check this. I'm, I have 2k up now because I'm, I'm a psycho. Um, <laughs> That's right. I was working on rosters anyway, so I might as well look at it. So, you know, interesting uh, fun fact about this Raptors team is they do not have a single player on the roster listed at 610. That's the first time that's happened since at least 2015. Wow. They're kind of like a, they're almost like the, the reverse of the Bulls who have like only one player under 6'5", and it's uh, Devin Dotson. Well, no, they're not, the, they're not the reverse of that because they only have three players under 6'5", and one of them is Dragic, who may or may not be there. It's just Van Vliet, Van Vliet and Malachi Flynn. Everyone else is 6'5 or above. D- David Johnson, Gary Trent, Justin Champagne, Ish Wainwright, Sam Decker, Yuta, Scotty Barnes, Ananobi, Bonga, Precious Achua, Delano Banton, Freddie Gillespie, Ken Birch, Chris Boucher, Siakam. All between 6'5 and 6'9. Huh. And, and it includes Banton, Banton's a point guard. Yuta's a small forward. Like It's just an interesting... Bulls are closer to that than I expected because they've only got yeah. Vooch, Simonovic, and Bradley. Yeah, I mean they have basically three traditional centers, but then everybody else is between of, six uh, eight, six eight, and six four. Yeah, uh, three, again, four. with the exception of Devin Dotson, who uh, probably unfortunately won't play very much again this year. And then Thomas, if Matt Thomas makes the team, but there's twelve players between six four and six eight, and you know what? I, you know what that makes me? That's that's a modern basketball team. That's what it basketball is. is supposed to look like now. Yeah, it's crazy how. It's crazy how quickly they, they – I mean, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the roster turnover in general uh, because there's three guys that started on the team last year uh, that are on the team this year. Um, and one of them and, was a lottery pick. Yeah. Uh, and the other I, one was a lottery pick. Yeah, I mean, the, the two of them were, were – well, I, I guess I guess Dodson also. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I was forgetting about, uh, about Devin. Um, yeah, he definitely – started with the team. So that's four guys that were on the team. Uh, but there's been a huge amount of turnover, but just also within that, like it's not just that they had turnover. It's like that they got pieces that seem to fit modern basketball and fit together in a way that I think is being largely underrated by uh, people that um, get paid to talk about the NBA <laughs> professionally. Um, well, it's, I, 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 I noticed during Vooch's, uh, his media day conference, he joked like, I'm one of the longest handed guys here now. And I've had one practice with the team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was one thing that they did. They did ask him a bunch about because I know that that was a big talking point post trade is that they just didn't have practice time. Um, so he seems very happy with not having to be like a 35 usage guy. Like, I think, I think he's very happy about that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's never, like, well, I, I don't think he's ever had this level of, and he's, I mean, he said this, but also all the guys on the team said this, and it's not true for, for some of them. They said that this is, like, the most talented team that they've ever been on, and, like, I think that's I mean, true. Caruso, if Caruso says that, he's lying. No, <laughs> yeah, Caruso, did, Caruso didn't say that, but uh, Vooch said that, and I, for him, I believe it. I think, 
Um, yeah. Demar also said it, and I was like, eh, I don't know about that. Like those Raptor teams were pretty good um, that he was on. Uh, I mean, they traded him for Kawhi, which is obviously a, a significant upgrade, but. Uh, that was like the primary move that they made. And then they immediately yeah. won the championship. So like that was a pretty, yeah, it was still game. like a playoff core. Like, yeah, I would still say Siakam was on those teams. OG was on one of those teams. Like I would say it's at least equal talent. Yeah. I think maybe from a scoring talent perspective, if that's specifically, yeah. what that's usually about. what guys mean when they say talent, by the way, which I, I understand. Yeah. I mean, yes. NBA players uh, pretty much only respect other uh, NBA players that are buckets and problems unless they are like, outlier good on defense and then they're like okay yeah that guy makes my life hard i think they respect those guys i think they, they just don't consider that like out like any kind of outlier ability or anything like any sort of interesting talent i guess yeah they definitely don't um, consider it a talent i mean even marcus smart um like super defender extraordinaire like t- tweeted a couple weeks ago that like defense is all effort and want to and like n- it's not really uh, about talent and i was like Disagree, Marcus. <laughs> I think you're selling yourself Marcus short. Say that, also, for Marcus to say that, considering he's like one of the outlier athletes in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's like as one wide of as he is tall, five. and he's. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's like one of the top five strongest pound for pound guys in the league. Like that. That's and he's also, but he's also like a super yeah. athlete. Like he's yeah. laterally insane, and like has a and weird yeah, build. Has like, incre- he has crazy springs. Like. He- you can't move him off his spot. He's really smart, which I think is under like the biggest mm-hmm. underrated part of defensive talent is like, you have to actually be really smart to be a good defensive player. Um, and it's like, doesn't always translate to general intelligence. See but, Draymond Green and his dumb comments today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in general, I think, um, genius. Um, I think, I think smart's basic point though, is that you could have, I mean, we see this every year. We see guys, I don't want to single out Kuminga because I, I think Kuminga will be fine defensively, but he has like crazy physical talent and has never been anything more than an acceptable defender. Now he's yeah. 19 allegedly, but but there's guys like that all the, all the time. You know, that people always treat like a, a James Young kind of guy as like that guy's gonna be a great defender because he's such a great athlete and it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, so much of it, um, like I think Smart always is is gonna point to like want to and all of that, and I think that's part of it. Wrong, that's what that's what I, unlocks it. That's what makes it you a great defender. But you have to, you almost always have to have some kind of physical ability, outlier physical ability too. And and the smarts, I think, is like the the mm. other thing. Like you either have to have an ins- a coach who's an insane person, like Thibodeau. Um, if you if you've got a team full of guys with the tools uh, and the want to, but maybe not the brains to be good defenders. Um, like Thibodeau drills it into you so much that it becomes second nature. And I think that that makes a huge difference. Uh, and that's part of why his teams are always like crazy good on defense. You know, he, he needs defensive talent um, to, to have his teams be elite defensively. But if you look at the mm-hmm. Knicks roster last year, I mean, they had Taj, but Taj is old and they had Nerlens Noel, I mean, who is obviously yeah, Nerlens, good. Yeah. Um, who's a freak and, athlete. It, it is yeah. But like Nerlens has been, uh, a good box score guy on defense and had years where he was actually not that impactful defensively. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was a different thing with Thibodeau because he wasn't doing all the, you know, I'm going to chase steals or chase blocks sorts of things. He was like, yeah. Oh, if I just do what I'm supposed to, those things will come in this system. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I think that you got to have some, some smarts, whether that's being 
yeah, coming yeah. from being drilled into you by a coach or if it's uh or if it's just you know you're preternaturally uh gifted at understanding like um spacing and uh nba actions and you know all of that mm -hmm. sort of thing um that's a that's a crazy tangent that we just went on <laughs> 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 but um yeah, I, I don't know. I think that the the Bulls media day stuff in general, like I, I thought it was interesting. Um, some of the other stuff that came out of it, I thought that it was notable that um, Lonzo mentioned that uh, he feels like he's going to get to play more um, traditional style point guard than he did last year in New Orleans. Uh, I don't know if I how much I buy that. I don't know if that was like a selling point. I also for him. don't know what what that means. Yeah, because he's not even. Like, really does that mean? Does that mean he's going to be going around picks and going and attacking downhill? Because he doesn't do that. He's not good at that. Yeah, and I don't even really feel. Like, I think he he feels like that's part of his game. I, I don't know if it just means that like uh, he's going to touch the ball more ball in half court. Yeah, that's probably like, it. Probably more likely means he's going to be bringing the ball up a lot and like setting up stuff, which he's good at. That, but yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, the Pelicans took the ball completely out of his hands and basically turned him into like uh, better passing Danny Green, um, which is fine. He's good at that. Uh, but... um, yeah, the weird thing, I guess. I guess the question is because I think people use the term pure point guard. And they mean like Chris Paul, as though like Chris Paul just brings the ball up and passes it out like Terry Porter. It's like no, Chris <laughs> Paul has the ball for like eighty percent of the shot clock. Like Lonzo's not doing that. Yeah, Chris Paul's all of his possessions either end in Chris Paul taking like a mid-range jumper at the elbow or like using that threat of that to, you know, get somebody a layup or a three. Um, that's but like in either case, he's making the decision as to which of those things it'll be like hmm. 18 seconds into the shot clock. Um, and that's not the ball. Not at doing all. That. No. Yeah, he's, I, I just no, I don't quite understand what that means, and I, I don't think he even if you gave him an answer, he'd probably just say touching the ball more in the half court, which is fine. That's he should be. Yeah, and I think that that's that's one of the things. Like to get back, I think to some of the stuff that we were talking about before in terms of like what the lineups are going to look like with this team. Um, mm -hmm. I think they have so much optionality and versatility, which was a, a sort of a, a buzzword that I think that I heard um, Karnashovas say at least a couple of times um, that they have multiple ball handlers. They have multiple, you know, plus decision makers um, and they have multiple scoring threats. Like I think that they feel really good about um, their optionality from a lineup perspective. And also just in terms mm. of like making defenses um, st stretch and bend in a way that uh, is going to be difficult to deal with and not because they have any like one juggernaut superstar, like maybe Zach makes another leap and is that guy, but even if he's just what he was last year and does this, does the same thing, but getting better looks because he's not taking um, contested uh, f falling away three pointers because the defense yeah. is completely keyed in on him. Um, I think that that is going to make a, a big difference and uh, I just think that the, the offense is going to be really hard to stop. And I, I do trust Billy Donovan to, to utilize those guys in ways that um, are both in their comfort zones, which I think is something that he emphasized last year when he was coming in. Um, and a lot of people uh, had bad faith readings on some quotes Billy gave at the start of last year and were like, oh, he's saying that he's going to let Zach Levine shoot mid-range shots. And like on both sides of that stupid mm -hmm. debate uh, – you had, um, you know, some people be like, yeah, see, Billy Donovan gets it. He he likes mid-range shots. 
and uh, yeah. other people being like, oh my God, Billy Donovan, uh, what a dummy for, you know, saying that guys should take shots from where they're comfortable from. And it's like, I don't think it's that so much as it's just like, he's not going to like completely take things out of guys' games and have them thinking too much out there. Um, and, uh, or getting them out of rhythm just to, you know, marginally increase their, um, expected points per shot that completely ignores, you know, um, time and situation and, uh, and rhythm, um, and contested, like how contested the shot is Yeah, all of that stuff. Um, so I, I just expect them to, to run a lot of things. As again, we've, we've got, Go ahead. Well, my hope, my again, we're going to see Tuesday. I just realized we're going to like four days from now. Uh, they have a preseason game. Uh, we we are going to have uh, a guy who's had three seasons in the top ten in the last uh, seven, like of the top ten drives per game seasons, or top five. I'm sorry, top fifteen. He's had three of the top fifteen in Demar Derozan. So we're gonna yeah, that- like if anyone's gonna be the point guard, like the attacking guard, it's gonna be Derozan, hopefully. Yeah, so that was part of the reason why I didn't mind the the DeRozan signing, even at that price, was because they didn't have a rim pressure guy and a guy that uh, gets to the line and makes those drives consistently. And there was one of those guys available, and it was Demar, and so they overpaid, sure, to get him. Well, Dennis Schroeder was available, but you know we we all wanted him so much. <laughs> yeah, uh, if, they, if they paid him six million dollars, I'd have been fine, but. You know, that was even happen. then. I don't know if I would have been super happy with introducing uh, Dennis Schroeder, yeah. uh, locker room cancer into <laughs> into yeah. the uh, yeah. into the that was because I mean to use that as a as a transition here. Like the vibes uh, at media day were pretty immaculate. I felt mm-hmm. like uh, everybody. Pat was seemed, a little Pat was a little depressed, but he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean that's understandable. He worked really hard to to come back from Billy telling everybody that he was that he was out of shape last year. He worked really hard to get into shape. And then of course he, you know, one of their first days of uh, working out, um, you know, with their, everybody on the team getting there early, he, uh, you know, rolls his ankle. Um, but it sounds like they're feeling pretty good about where that's at. Um, he might be back and not miss any games. So that's exciting. But yeah, other than, other than Pat seeming a little down about the injury, I, it seemed like the vibes were really good around the team. Everybody seemed to be on the same page. And uh, the fact that they all got in a couple weeks early to get together and start get to know each other and get to work early, um, you know, in your day-to-day jobs, uh, I'm, I'm not for that. I'm not for putting in extra work. But for my favorite basketball team, I'm happy to hear that they're, you know, uh, getting together and, because they don't have the continuity that other other teams have, that they're trying to build that sort of um, on their own time. I'm a fan of of DeRozan going out of the way to talk about out of his way to talk about how uh, surprised he was that the weather was nice for now. I was like, <laughs> it's nice, man. August in Chicago is great. Yeah, it's in a, Chicago, it's great. It's a great. It, Chicago summers are that's been one of the biggest bummers about moving to Chicago and then having COVID happen like one year into my being here is that like, I haven't really been able to fully appreciate Chicago summers, but like, even just from a weather perspective, I've played basketball outside at basketball courts three or four times a week for most of the summer. Um, And it's been, it's been great. 
uh, and it's still pretty warm uh, on October 1st. And that's probably something to do with climate change, but I don't want to pull a Zach Lowe and get too dark on, <laughs> on a basketball podcast about climate change. <laughs> I don't know. Midwest Octobers have never been that bad, though. It's not, it, I don't, it very rarely snows in this yeah. area of the world in October, so it's not. It, no, it's October 1st. It was like 80 degrees today. It was very that's, warm. That's fine. I don't mind that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mind it. It's just unexpected. But um, yeah, so I, I just felt like the vibes were really good. I don't know if you had, if you noticed that or if that stood out to you. Um, like I said, Vooch seemed very happy to be both playing with his his friend and be and to not have to be the uh, like 32 usage guy again. And then like Lonzo seemed, I mean, Lonzo's like a kind of a flat affectless dude anyway. So I don't really... Yeah. Not gonna read too much into him. Zach seemed annoyed at questions about his contract, but also seems like he's pretty certain he's gonna get a big contract. So Yeah. I mean, I think it's understandable for me for Zach to be a little bit annoyed about that because like realistically the the way that the CBA is set up, uh, I was just saying I'm not Mr. CBA guy, but I do know this, um, is that he can't get on an extension right now, the Bulls can't offer him an extension that would pay him nearly what they can pay him this summer. Mm-hmm. And I think they've, I'm sure, had conversations with his representation that they want to pay him uh, what he's worth. And, uh, you know, as a show of good faith uh, towards that and their desire to win with Zach, they made all of these moves to make him happy and to hopefully propel them into the playoffs this year. And so I think that for him it's a non-issue and he doesn't want to talk about it yeah um i mean i've mentioned uh, at least once on the show that my nightmare scenario is that they somehow miss the playoffs and and then uh the right stores get you know kind of cheap out <laughs> on everything uh because they're like ah, oh, we didn't we spent all this money in the offseason and you still couldn't lead us to the playoffs you know we're not paying you or whatever we're not going to give you that huge bag. And uh, like, that's my nightmare scenario, but that doesn't have anything to do with Zach. That just has to do with like this ownership group that I've watched my whole life uh, do things like this. Well, the, the hopeful positive is that um, they'll jingle a set of Paul Konerko keys in front of Jerry and he'll get distracted. And Michael Reinsdorf, who actually seems to care about the bulls a little bit, will take care of that. So, yeah. And I also think that like, I just think that Karnaschovas seems to be savvy enough and good enough at sort of ownership um, expectation management for mm-hmm. lack of a better term that he can still get it done. Um, so I, I'm not too worried about it, uh, but it is sort of lingering out there because I'm an anxious person as my nightmare scenario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, not going to let that in- intrude on the, the good vibes of the start of the season. And uh, yeah, very much looking forward to, seeing the first preseason game uh, here in a few days. It's crazy that it's already, you know, basically here. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say real quick is that Kobe looks cool. Yes, his, like, kind of high-top fade. Well, not quite a high-top, but it's it's like a fade with, like, a, it stands up a little bit. I, yeah. I, I dig it. I, not that it's, not that he ever had bad hair. Like, no, I, he had great hair. I always thought he had great hair. But yeah, I, I think, I like I think it's a better look. look. yeah. Yeah, I think it suits him. Um, it was the same reaction I had when I heard that Jalen Brown cut his hair. I was like, oh, that's disappointing. And then I saw him and I was like, oh, that's, that looks better. He looks, <laughs> yeah. he, looks, he looks more like an adult. Yes. Well, that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's, uh, he definitely looks more um, 
mature <laughs> with mm-hmm. his with his haircut. Although, um, oh, that was the other takeaway from Media Day that was interesting was like how close uh, Pat and Kobe actually are. Uh, kind of came out because. Pat was discussing, you know, getting injured and uh, talking to Kobe about being injured and, um, you know, them going, you know, attacking their rehab together. And uh, it sounds like they're like best friends, basically, um, which is nice to hear. Uh, makes sense. They have uh, the sort of Carolina connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that it's uh, it, it was just cool to hear that they that they seem to um, to be tight and uh you know, to share with each other and bounce ideas off each other. I think it says a lot about Lonzo as like a personality and like just how he's carried himself that he like, he's basically those guys his age, but I could, I could tell he probably has no relationship with them at all because he's a, he's a big boy. You know, he's involved with stars. That's what he is. Even if he's not a star, he he's been so famous for so long that he's like, he, he's been moving like a star to to use a, a, a turn of phrase that um, that Jason Goff from the Bull Talk podcast is uh, is fond of saying like, mm-hmm. the way the way he moves he, he he's been moving like a a, a star uh, yeah you know whether that's as a person or just as a basketball player since he was like 16 years old um, and he still moves that way even though he's mm-hmm. he's not a max contract guy um, I think the max contract guys really like to play with Lonzo. Um, yeah. I mean, it stood out to me that there was a, there, I remember it was like a post game interview uh, with Zion a while back and they were asking him about his relationship with, uh, with Lonzo. And uh, he like looked giddy to, to discuss, to discuss it. And then they asked him about this like full court alley-oop that uh, outlet pass that Lonzo had thrown to him in the game. And he just like seemed like a kid in a candy store discussing it. And she's like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that guy's uh, in a Bulls uniform now. It's great. I, I'm just if there's if there's two uh, groups of players on this team, he certainly is carrying himself like he's part of the star group and not part of the Kobe, Pat, Io, Dasunmu, D- Dot, that that group. Simonovic, I guess Javante yeah, Green. Although Javante Green's a, a sidekick, so he doesn't really count. <laughs> He, yeah, he just carries himself like a guy who knows who he is and is not figuring out what he is in the league. Mm-hmm. And there's like a level of professionalism there, um, which is funny for all of like the talk about LeVar um, being a clown or whatever. Like both of his kids in the league are, have been incredibly polished um, as players. And even like, I mean, LaMelo is a little bit of uh, spacey in interviews from what I understand, but like um, he still attacks his game mm-hmm. in a very sort of professional way. And Lonzo is just like, seems very buttoned up um, and is like kind of the opposite. He's like very much not a character in the way that LaMelo is. Yeah. yeah. Well, because LaMelo is the youngest brother. That's he gets to be that. He's the baby. You gotta love him. <laughs> and then of course the third brother, Paul brother, who we all recognize as a star. And it's, <laughs> it's bullshit that they didn't sign him to a contract. It's yeah. they hate him. It's racism <laughs> against the ball family specifically. Um, <laughs> yeah, they the uh, just because you shot like thirty four percent from the field in summer league, okay? Yeah, people at summer league uh, lost their minds a little bit for Leangelo, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm he can. Sh- he seems like he can shoot. He's okay. I just don't think he's a. I don't think he's an NBA player, but I don't think he's like. He's not like he's not like 
Chris Smith or Charles Boozer or Kelgen Blevins level. No offense, Kelgen Blevins, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you only have a contract because your your sibling is your family member is on this team. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Leangelo is legitimately like a guy on the fringes of the bubble of being an NBA player. Mm. Um, and I, I almost wonder because of his name and who he is, like how much that actually, whether that might actually hurt him a little bit, just because they're like, it hurt, it hurt. Uh, Lamelo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he should have been the number one pick, mm. uh, pretty clearly now at this point. Uh, and he wasn't for silly reasons. I mean, it's not even that he should have been the number one pick. I think I could, I could entertain that Edwards has where it's, you know, where ways to go that he could be a better player. But like I, I had, I had to tell more than one person. I'm not going to name names, but there were more than one person who I consider like people who know what they're talking about, who were like, yeah, but he's not actually good. Right. And I was like, no, he's, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I had really no idea. Cause I mean, I don't pay attention to this stuff like you do. Like all of my, uh, at this point I used to pay attention a little bit, but like at this point, all of my, uh, draft takes are, um, absorbed through my brain and then uh from you and other parts of draft twitter uh and then scan through the prism of like which type of players i like (laughs) Mm. and understanding uh based on you guys watching them way more than me uh you know what they're likely to be and then trying to make a decision based on that um but like you know when i was looking at like his percentages and stuff i was like jesus like people keep saying like he's going to be a shooter or that he's going to like score in the league. And I'm, I was like, how? And I was like, no, he's, he's taking really stupid shots because he just doesn't respect the level of competition at all. And he's trying things out and uh, having fun. Uh, and it's like, oh yeah, no, it, once he was actually in an NBA environment where he respected his competitors, he yeah. like stopped doing a lot of that crap. Uh, so I don't know. So, it's just, it's respecting his competitors. There's also one season in a league where he's not getting hit in the chest every play. <laughs> by a thirty by a thirty five year old Australian dude, like that's true too. He's not built for necessarily the physicality of a of a league with uh, with guys that are. I think uh, the median age is like thirty one. Yeah, NBL. It's like it's crazy. Yeah, like it's, it's a, a a league full of guys that are there to to kick ass and chew bubble gum. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's why it's amazing. Aaron Brooks went there. Poor guy, blew out his Achilles. <laughs> Yeah, that probably probably wasn't the best idea for him. Um, well, that was the other reason that Melo was was struggling is because Aaron Brooks was on that team he was on. They were the worst team in the NBL, and Aaron Brooks was like, I, I I don't fully understand their system, but it seems like you get first dibs. Like they don't do a draft; they do like a first dibs on incoming free agents thing. Because the NBL has it's like the it's like the CBA where you can only have a certain number of foreigners on your team. Mm-hmm. Just so I think that's just so like the big teams don't just sign up every possible NBA ish guy and win, you know, win every game by 30 points. Yeah. Um, so they got, they, but they got first dibs at Aaron Brooks and the mellow. Those are like the, the new, the next star. And then the, the import guy. And that was supposed to be their team. And then Aaron Brooks blew his Achilles out of like the first practice. Yeah. So they were just like, ah, mellow, <laughs> you want the ball? Here's, here's all the usage you can handle. Lamelo. You're like, 18 years old by the way playing against grown men that's the other thing i think that like still people underrate a little bit is Mm -hmm. like if you can hang with grown men and you're 18 years old um that by itself is meaningful like grown men that are professionals not just like grown men that like not like dudes at the y yeah like if you if you can uh because i was i was scoring on like grown men at the y when i was like 16 but because I was as tall as them, and yeah, like, like wasn't yeah, a, wasn't say, any, it wasn't any it wasn't any there wasn't any kind of physical limitation. 
you're all... also like uh, 6'2 and pretty solid, if I, if I recall. I, I, mean, I, I was like, I probably weighed like 110 pounds at that point, but yeah. <laughs> but you were tall, which is was very meaningful tall. in basketball. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, anyways, that, that was a long digression about LaMelo. Yes. <laughs> but, well, if only there was another player this year in the draft who that, that all that same stuff applies to. But because he uh, missed the floater in his first summer league game and then hurt his knee, apparently as a bust. Of course, I mean Josh Kitty. I'm so excited for Josh Kitty. Josh Kitty's going to be my favorite, one of my favorite non-Bulls guys to watch this year. Yeah, I mean Josh Kitty has the thing that uh, that I have talked to my wife about this multiple times. But like my favorite thing in basketball is people that are like preternaturally good passers, mm. um, and you know that's why Jokic is my favorite. Uh, probably my favorite player in the league. Definitely my favorite non-Bull. Um, and you know, I really love Lonzo because he just he has that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Giddy seems like another one of those guys. And it, it should be. And Lamelo is. I mean, we were just talking about Lamelo. Lamelo is one of those guys, and that's what makes him so fun. Uh, first, again, to bring it back to this draft, if only there was a guy in this draft who was a predatory gifted passer that the Bulls could have gotten. It's no, no way to know. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, gonna be mad about that for the rest of my life. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was having a fit about it basically because of uh, you and everyone else on draft Twitter being like Sharif is great. We need to, you know, Sharif should be going first round for sure. Uh, at least, you know, even if it was in the late first round, and then he fell all the way to the Bulls, and I was like, please, please, please. And then we 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 drafted Io, and whatever Io, maybe he'll be fine. But like, he's not going to be fun in the way that uh, that Sharif would be fun, and you know that stinks. Yeah, Io's best case is that he start he develops like a weird, crazy drive game where he just like flails around and gets into the paint and like plays solid defense and hits some threes. Yeah. I think yeah, I mean I think Io's gonna make his money in the uh in the league to the extent that he sticks is by being a, a good defensive player that's hard to screen. Um and he'll probably learn from one of the very best in the league at that, uh with Alex Caruso this year. I mean, mm-hmm. it was already a strength of Io that it's like really hard to screen him, but uh Caruso is like really impossible to screen yeah because he fouls um, the shit out of you <laughs> uh yeah that should be interesting if he if he continues to get away with uh fouling the crap out of everybody uh while not in a lakers uniform yeah inter- uh, i think it was <laughs> <laughs> i hope so um but uh yeah that was uh, i guess maybe we can finish here that was another thing that i thought was interesting that it was a question that the in uh, you know it's the big question for the bulls like how are they going to defend um, and they asked Billy about that pretty early in the media day uh, press conference. And I think he mentioned, you know, that they, they feel like they have guys that are, can be good mm-hmm. point of attack defenders. He didn't even mention Caruso, which is hilarious because uh, he's the best point of attack defender on the team now. Um, but he mentioned Lonzo. Who's even played? Troy Brown? Is that the only other yeah. guy? He mentioned Lonzo and he mentioned, uh, he mentioned Zach. He even mentioned DeMar, which I, uh, I don't know if I, if I buy that. Um, to, Demar is not always the most engaged uh, on or off. Yeah. Um, but he mentioned Zach, and uh, I thought that was interesting. Maybe he was just watching uh, tape of Zach uh, specifically in the Olympics, where he was. Zach, yeah. Uh, which and maybe he will be more like that uh, this year because he won't have to score every time down the court to have, mm-hmm. for the Bulls to have a chance. Um, but yeah, I think he he mentioned that, and he mentioned like. Uh, you know, that they'll have to gang rebound. Uh, but he mentioned Lonzo's, you know, rebounding skill as a, as a point guard. Like, I think they'll be fine. Everyone has to gang rebound is the thing. There's, yeah. Unless, unless you're, unless you're playing like Joel Embiid, unless you have Joel yeah. Embiid on your team. 
Well, even like Vooch is a an underrated part of Vooch's defensive game. Vooch is an excellent rebounder. Yeah, he's a he's a very good defensive rebounder. Lonzo is a very good uh, rebounder for his position. Um, Demar is pretty good. Yeah, Demar is solid. Uh, I don't think Zach's bad at rebounding. He's no. like I don't think he moves the needle one way or the other, but he's not like going to hurt you on the glass. And then of course, um, you know, a lot of the role players are good rebounders. Derek Jones is a freak athlete. Alize yeah. is one of the best rebounders in the league per minute. So yeah, they'll be yeah. fine. I don't yeah, think they're going to have Tony Bradley's a good rebounder. Tony Bradley is an elite offensive rebounder, which they don't yeah. really have. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing is that like people are talking about like I, the the thing with the with the way that people talk about defense is I feel like they only ever think about defense in terms of shot defense, and they don't necessarily think about ending possessions through defensive rebounding or forcing turnovers or not fouling. You know, to go Dean Oliver about it and talk about the four factors, um, like. Shot defense is a big part of defense. It's the biggest part of defense. Uh, but if you can make sure that you're um, out rebounding, your, you know, the average or whatever on defense, like you can end a lot more possessions prematurely. Like because you're going to force missed shots no matter how bad your shot defense is. And if you can make sure that you secure as many of those as you can, like you make up a lot of ground that way. It's not so much that um, you're going to force missed shots; it's that nobody's going to shoot 100 percent on you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there, there are going to be missed shots available for you, even if you don't play the the best uh, defense on the ball or whatever. Um, and I think that they'll be fine, honestly, on the ball too. And I just think that there there are places for them to make up the difference where they're not necessarily the strongest shot defense team. Like I think they can be a good defensive re- rebounding team. I think they can be a team that doesn't foul. Um, that's mostly just discipline. Uh, and I think that they can. Uh, be a be a team that that gets turnovers because they they do have um, you know some guys that are, are talented at that. Uh, Caruso, Lonzo are are big steals guys. I think Vooch might be a decent steals guy for a center, not like elite. But he's like, not a black guy, but he's yeah, he's all right. He's got he's got good hands. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm just not that worried about their defense to the degree that so many people seem to be. And it seems like Billy's in the same boat. He's like, we, we got to put in the work to do it, but I think that we have avenues to to being, you know, a, a solid defense. Of course, also, the, with every media day, and we can end on this, nobody's ever going to be out like, yeah, we suck. <laughs> Our team's going to be dog shit. Yeah. Like, no, like, I wanna go, I'm going to go look at, like, Thunder media day, and they're all going to be like, we're really excited to get the season <laughs> going and compete for the playoffs. And it's, no, you're not. But, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, even Thunder Media Day, they probably just talked about development a whole lot, but yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're still they're still not going to come out and be like, yeah, we're we're he- we're here to lose as many games as possible. Bro, we're dog shit. <laughs> we're ass. <laughs> um, just drop the uh, the like stamp from uh, that they used to do on Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Uh, ass. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I I think that's that's definitely fair, uh, and we can probably wrap there because yeah i mean we're talking about media day we're speculating uh, as we've been speculating since this podcast started about what it'll look like but in a, just a few days we get actual uh an actual look at this team running sets and uh seeing what they look like together so we, can, we should also talk about at some point and i don't know why i'm saying this now while we're still recording uh, <laughs> the rest of the division because yeah. I mean, we can do a sub- central division preview for sure yeah i think that makes sense um, I, think we, I think we know, spoiler alert, I think we know who's going to win the division. But yeah. the rest of the division is, eh, there's, some, little, there's some intrigue there. Yeah, 
It depends on. There's a clear hierarchy of, of one contender, two yeah. playoff teams, two un- sub playoff teams. But I think, I think the Cavs and the Pistons are interesting enough. Like they're in interesting spots in their in their rebuilds that it's going to be interesting to, to, to watch that this year. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't hurt that they got the two best players in the draft. So <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a little bit of a of a scary thing on on draft day to see see those two get two. Well, I mean, even just lottery day, it was like, oh man, they're gonna be in the mm-hmm. running for. Mm-hmm. They're both gonna be in the running for two of the better guys from this class. But we're getting on a tangent, and I'm trying to wrap up. <laughs> we can save <laughs> save that for uh, the next episode. Um, Brian, tell the people where they can follow follow you online. Uh. Uh, twitter.com sla- uh, slash brian j draft yes uh best best um draft guy i think in the public sphere at this point ah pd's yeah. still around mike Grib- grib's still around there's probably that's, better that's, jake rosen's really good be, being very being very uh, you, you have i think the longest track record of any of the guys that are still in the public domain for sure yeah, um, grib's probably better longer than me but i'll take that <laughs> well i've been following you longer than i've been following grip so how about that <laughs> brian being very humble uh we love to see it um all right we'll uh we'll talk uh at you yep. guys again soon bye